Hi, and welcome to the Brief Transitions podcast. Whether you're new here or you've been listening for a while, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune in. In this week's episode, we're talking about eczema and allergies in children. I have quite a few friends that have children with severe nut allergies, and my heart really goes out to anyone in this type of situation. It is so much to navigate. It's very stressful and scary, especially when you don't know what's going on at the time in those early days and you're trying to figure everything out. We've actually had quite a bit of ups and downs this past year with my younger daughter, not related to allergies, but she has been diagnosed with asthma. She had quite a few illnesses that led to bronchitis and infections, and we were trying to figure out, does she have allergies? Is it something in the environment? And finally, after seeing some specialists and, well, things getting pretty severe for her, unfortunately, we had to go to the hospital. They did find out that she has asthma that's triggered by a virus. So she doesn't have it on a day-to-day basis, but when she gets sick, she's more susceptible to it. And we've been lucky enough to find a doctor that really works with us and really is a specialist in her field. So she's very knowledgeable with what's going on. We found good treatment options and we're hoping since she doesn't have allergies that she will grow out of it over time. Really at the end of the day, whatever journey you're on, especially with trying to figure things out for your kids, it is a lot. And what I love about this episode is that Melissa is sharing her story and she's a mom that didn't give up. She is a mom that kept going to figure out what was wrong and find other solutions for her child. And regardless of if it's related to eczema or allergies or asthma or something else, people are showing up every single day going through the hard things and figuring things out because that's what they have to do. And so even if you don't have a story of eczema or allergies or even asthma, there's something else in your life that you could be navigating. And so I hope, the same with all the other episodes in this podcast, that whatever change or transition you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, can be eased a bit by listening to these stories and by hearing from other people, sharing their experiences and understanding that you are not alone. None of us are ever alone. And it's important to remember that. So for this week, I'm talking with Melissa. She's sharing everything about her story and what worked and didn't work for her son. And I really hope you enjoy the episode as much as I did. Dr. Melissa Raymond, PhD, is an eczema and allergy coach, best-selling author, researcher, physiotherapist, and mom of two active and gorgeous boys. She supports fellow moms to confidently advocate and be the expert in their own child's health journey. Her mission is to help revolutionize the way eczema is understood and treated so that kids and their families can lead healthier and happier lives. With that, let's get started. Welcome to the Brief Transitions Podcast. I'm your host, Mary Clavier, an engineer turned entrepreneur, mom of two, and founder of Brief Transitions Mesh Underwear. This podcast is for you if you're going through any type of transition, whether it's related to your career, parenting, or other parts of your day-to-day life. Each week, I'll have a guest or topic that shares a story 
as well as actionable tips for navigating life's transitions. Now, let's get started. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I'm so excited for you to be here and for us to be talking about eczema and allergies. It's a whole thing. It's something I've worked with a lot this past year with one of my girls and um, well, more on the allergy side. But um, I'm so excited for you to share your knowledge and your expertise with our audience for anyone listening that is struggling in some ways with all of this or navigating it. Yeah, that would be my pleasure. It's certainly a journey, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Can you start off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Sure. I'm from Melbourne, Australia, and uh, my background is a physio. I've worked in the healthcare system for 20 years. I have a research background. I've worked as a researcher for about 15 of those years as well. I have two little boys and my first son was diagnosed with eczema and allergies at the age of four months. So while I was um, doing my PhD, I spent a lot of time actually researching eczema and allergies. So that's sort of where all of this eczema allergy stuff comes from. It was an alongside my day job, I guess. Um, but I delved right into eczema and allergies because I wanted to fix him, really. I wanted to heal him. Yeah. So what was showing up that then you recognized there was some type of problem or issue? Yeah. So with the eczema, he was four months old and he started getting a little bit of redness in the elbow creases and back of the ankles, which is typically where eczema starts, particularly in kids and babies. And then we took him to the GP and he said, oh yeah, that's eczema. Like, like it was nothing really. Oh, yeah, don't worry about it. It's eczema. He had this cream, put the steroids on, um, put them on a little bit but not too much, don't use them for too long. And essentially from that I took away that it would go away with the cream and we did that approach and it didn't really go away. It kind of got worse actually. By the end of the week it was all over his body head to toe, his skin, his scalp was like weeping, like it was wet. He was just itching all the time and he stopped sleeping. So he was that textbook baby of six hours between breastfeeds overnight, four hours during the day, piece of cake, and then four months hit and the eczema started. And then he was waking up every half an hour overnight and would take 45 minutes to settle wake up again. And so it was 12, 12, 14 times a night that he was waking up, which was a little bit stressful. Um, And so because it had got so bad and I, you know, we went back to the GP, um, our family doctor, and he gave us a referral to a dermatologist at the local, like the Melbourne Royal Children's Hospital. And he had said, yes, eczema, definitely he'll need steroids for life, probably antibiotics for a year. Hospital stays if it gets really bad for wet dressings, which is a way to help the eczema and keep the moisture in and the medications on the skin. And, yeah, he's probably just going to have steroids, you know, eczema for life, which, you know, wasn't, 
the news I wanted to hear with a four-and-a-half-month-old or five-month-old right. at the time. But he did give us some information about the fact that many kids with eczema also have allergies, food allergies. And so uh, we went down the food allergy testing route and saw a food allergist. And so then we found out that he likely had food allergies as well. The other tip-off that I got that he might have allergies was because he was solely breastfed. He used to come out in hives during a feed. So I would be feeding him and then I would just see it kind of this red flush over his face and then a red flush through his body, which didn't happen prior to four months. So I knew that there was some thing that I was eating that was contributing to his body saying, hey, something's wrong. Wow, um, yeah. Yeah, so that was, that was, I guess, the start of the allergy process and then it was confirmed with the skin prick testing that they did at the allergist that he was likely to be allergic to pretty much everything they tested, including some environmental, you know, dust and animals and things like that. Wow, that's a lot at four months. Yeah. That's a lot. Just the no sleep is already hard. I mean, I know anyone that's had kids has been there for for something, for some reason or another, but at four months to then see your child just change so quickly and be in so much pain, that's also, that's a lot. Yeah, so, fatigue and the emotional drain and the seeing your child suffer. Like you never want to see them like that ever. Right, exactly. Okay, so then you you went to the hospital and you got the extra tests and you had more of a diagnosis. And what was your path after that? Because it sounds like he didn't respond really to the cream in the beginning. So was medicine still an option or how did you start to work through all that? Yeah, so the dermatologist gave us a, a prescription for a tube of cream, which was blank. I'm going to say, this is my memory back from 12 years ago, <laughs> but I think the tube was, maybe it was 100 mils tops, small. It was mm-hmm. about $100 for a tube. And it was this cream where he said, don't read the studies, don't go looking on the internet for the studies on this medication linking it to cancer. It's used differently in these studies on kids and don't worry about it. What? (laughs) I was like, um, (laughs) what? So, and I like to be informed. I'm a health professional. I like to inform my patients about what's going to happen, what the plan is, what their choice is, you know, what their options are. And so this was really a really weird conversation where he said, don't look it up. So obviously, as a mom, (laughs) I was raging internally at this point. And I'd also said to him at the time, I'd like to, I think there's a link between the food, like as he said, what I'm eating, I feel like it's contributing to this, at least a redness or the body reacting Maybe not the eczema, but the body's reacting. And he said, what? I I had said, I'm going to try dairy-free and wheat-free, which at the time to me was just like this momentous task of trying to cut out. I mean, yeah. I mean. Like butter and cheese. Yes. (laughs) When (laughs) you're postpartum. (laughs) 
Oh, and you're like, so, yeah. So I just want to eat what I want to eat. I was going to try it for my son. Mm-hmm. And he said, why would you do that? Just put the steroids on. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so I raged a little bit further <laughs> internally because out externally I felt like I couldn't question that. Like he's mm. the specialist. He's seen thousands of kids with eczema. And who was I? I didn't know anything about eczema. And, yeah, I didn't feel like I could question him at the time. So I walked out of the appointment with my husband and he said, oh, that went quite well, didn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, we are not doing any of that. (laughs) Did you hear what he said? And he said, oh, I, I thought you were okay with everything. And I, I just said I, I couldn't confront him in that situation. I just felt so vulnerable. It was a new situation to me. I hadn't done yeah. any research, enough research that I thought I could question anything. So we did try the steroid approach for a while, but it wasn't helping. And so we went down the dietary route and we I cut out all the things that he was likely allergic to. So for skin prick testing, when what they do with allergies, it's it gives you a result that says the likelihood of an allergy. So mm. they might not be allergic to it, but they're responding in this positive way. So I cut everything out and his skin still didn't clear. And we were on this diet called the fail-safe diet. It's like a low food chemical diet, but the dietitian um, that I was seeing said chips are fine, sugar's fine, eat as many lollies as you like, you need to put the calories on. So it wasn't about quality of food. <laughs> I mean, I do love chips, but they're really at, yeah. like crisps, right? They're just yeah. a crappy food. And sugar, like who, who says <laughs> unlimited lollies are fine? Like really? But in my mind, I was like, this is a great diet. I love this diet. (laughs) Uh, But on this diet, despite eating terrible food, he didn't improve, unsurprisingly. I lost 30 kilos from when he was born, which was a lot. I did put on a lot with him. I was about 10 kilos lighter than I am now. I lost so much weight on this elimination diet and... I thought I was doing fine, extremely sleep-deprived, extremely malnourished, um, and he wasn't getting better. And at that point I thought it got to a point where I was just, I was heartbroken. I was working really hard in trying to do all the things, but I knew that if if we kept doing this same thing where I could really eat five foods that we thought he didn't react to and he was eating five foods at that time, I didn't want him to be a 30-year-old eating rice, chicken, broccoli, peas and carrots. Like that was not what I wanted for him. So we then, I knew from the online forums at that point, everyone was talking about gut health. Anyone with a kid with allergies and eczema who was finding this approach not working for them, this elimination diet, they were talking about gut health. Uh, So if you think about 12 years ago, People didn't know what gut health was back then. They might have heard of a probiotic maybe. They probably hadn't heard of really fermented foods in 
in such a big way that it is now. Kombucha wasn't a thing. And so come a long way, but back then it was like, what's this gut health thing? So I dived into the research on gut health and eczema and allergies. Turns out that kids and adults with eczema and allergies do have impaired gut health in the research. And so we started on gut healing. It got worse before it got better. But once it got better, within a couple of months, he completely cleared. No Mm. eczema. Uh, And he hasn't had it since. So 10, 11, 11 years eczema free. Wow, that's incredible. Let's just go back for just a minute. Can you explain to to anyone listening what gut health is? And then we'll get into a little bit of what you did for that. Yeah, sure. So gut health is essentially we have different microorganisms in our gut, primarily the large intestine houses most of the um, microorganisms. So this is mostly bacteria. And our immune system sits within our gut. So 75% at least of our immune system, that is, you know, us getting viruses or warding off viruses, not getting sick, being able to go out and um, not have allergies from the environment, things like that, that's our gut health. And when we have a range of bacteria, bacteria are not bad. So we are taught to, you know, use antibacterial wipes and things like that on our kitchen bench tops and have everything completely sanitized. We actually have bacteria in our gut and on our skin and pretty much everywhere, and it's generally protective. So when we have a wide range of bacteria and microorganisms in our gut and we have mostly beneficial bacteria and microorganisms, then our gut health is generally healthier. There are two types of microorganisms. We have potentially harmful ones and potentially beneficial bacteria. And when we have an imbalance, we have too many potentially harmful ones. That's when they can actually cause problems in the body. And when we have this imbalance, we have the cell walls in the gut can open up to food particles coming through into the bloodstream when they shouldn't be. So it's sort of like I I like to think of the beneficial bacteria as little soldiers in front of like the castle, right? They're protecting the moat. They control when the, they can help when the moat goes up and down to let things in and um, keep things out of the bloodstream. But when there aren't enough good guys and there are too many bad guys, then the, you know, the gate, the drawbridge can stay open and let things through that shouldn't come through. And that can cause a lot of inflammation and an immune response because the body's saying, hey, these things should be here. And then it can result in a whole host of different conditions. So this sort of description is known as leaky gut. You might have heard of leaky gut before, but leaky gut is implicated in eczema, allergies, asthma, Parkinson's disease, a whole host of neurological conditions, It's linked to anxiety and depression, mental health conditions. So it's really a real, it's a big piece of the puzzle for our overall health, not just for eczema and allergies, but our overall health. Wow. Okay. Thank you for for sharing all of that. So then in the case of your son, 
and you looking into gut health, then what was the next thing that you did? Did you go to probiotics, for example? Or Yeah, so we we looked into a diet called the GAPS diet. It's called the gut and psychology syndrome diet. And it was started, developed by a doctor in the UK, Professor Natasha Campbell McBride. And she used it with her son with autism and really significantly improved his symptoms. And so it's a very strict diet and I don't usually, that's not a first port of call for my clients to go into this. You have to be really mentally prepared and then physically prepared with the things that you need to make at home. But essentially it's using meat stocks and broths with joints like chicken legs and wings and feet and necks and things like that. Sorry if I'm putting any listeners off. (laughs) But the joints are really rich in glycine and collagen and gelatin and they can really help support healing of the gut and the gut lining. So it's a process of stripping back really everything that you're eating to these broths and then slowly reintroducing food as you're able to tolerate it essentially. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So then you can end up eating the same foods you were eating before. Yes. You have like a different foundation to do it from. Exactly. Yes. And so people then find that they can tolerate things exactly as you said, bringing them back into the diet. And actually, because the gut has healed, it's not going through to the bloodstream and it's not causing those symptoms. Wow. So then did your son have to take any additional medicines or even like probiotics or anything like that now or or since that time? No, so we don't. We use probiotics at the time and generally um, I know that a lot of people do use probiotics for gut health and it, they can be really helpful. When starting, if you've got leaky gut, even the smallest amount of a probiotic can contribute to symptoms. So it can be hard to know whether it's the probiotic causing the eczema or making the eczema Mm. worse, or it's actually the body detoxing and the die-off of the bad bacteria as those probiotics work. And so I always recommend if anyone's starting a probiotic, not to just take that full capsule, particularly in kids with eczema or allergies. We started off with like a couple of granules, like we would open up the capsule. Capsule would last us like two weeks and we would just have one dot of a probiotic and then see. And he used to respond to that, like he used to get a flare-up in his eczema from that tiny amount. Wow. And then we, once that settled and his gut health improved, we could introduce a little bit more. Um, So it was a very slow process and it takes a lot of patience, but we hadn't used probiotics really since then. So did you see, like as time was going on, that first you were introducing that diet, how, because this sounds, it just sounds like such a long process, but how long until you saw like some types of improvement, not only long process also, but trial and error. So that's another thing I'm curious about, like how long until you saw some changes? And then also, were you like keeping a journal or something with all of the different things you were trying? Yes. So initially on that elimination diet, 
I've, I was eating other things than chips and lollies, but so six months on that and no improvement. And then on the GAPS diet, I started off slowly, so we call it wussy gaps. It's like where you do a little bit of the broths, but you're not because when you commit to it, you got to commit to it, and you're not right. eating at anything else at the start other than these chicken broths or meat broths, wow. and kind of get a bit sick of them, to be honest. But you've got to be prepared to have them every single meal of every single day for a period of time. Wow. Yeah, and <laughs> we were making that. I was making a chicken broth with a whole chicken every single day to be able to drink that much. Wow. I think so we started off the wussy gaps, which was a great way to start to introduce me to the things that we needed to prepare. But it was within about two months when we went serious. It Mm -hmm. got worse in the first month, which I knew it would because eczema is a symptom that the body's not happy. And so our skin is the largest organ in the body as well. It's a really big detoxification organ. And so we detox through our skin. So I knew any crap that needed to come out for our son was going to come out through his skin. And it did. Uh, And then the second month, it really started to clear. So two months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's like when people have acne, it's also like their skin reacting to something in the body. Yes, yes. Also similarly gut health related typically, yeah. Oh, interesting, right, yeah. of course, yeah. You're like, it impacts everything. And here I'm like, oh, how about this? <laughs> okay, so first it got worse and then it got better. Now you were the one, because he's still little, he was still little at this point. So you were the one drinking the broth, he was still breastfeeding or? We were doing both. okay. Yeah, so I was, we started him on the typical rice. Do you do rice cereal? Oh, yeah. Well, in the the US, it's pretty common, like a a cereal or an oatmeal type of thing. I'm I'm not sure in Europe, but yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. my guess would that it'd be less so common there. But um, so rice cereal, it's pretty nutrient devoid. It's Mm -hmm. pretty bland, but we started off with that. That was the typical approach that we took. Second child did very different um, first foods. But then once we started on this diet, he was drinking the broths as well as myself and also breastfed too. Okay. That's such a huge commitment, Melissa. And I just want to say it probably you're like, well, I'm the mom, so of course I'm going to do it and I will do what I need to do. But I just want to recognize that that's a huge deal and that's a long journey of so much time trying to figure out what it is, seeing your child suffer, and then trying to figure out how you can help him. Yeah, I just want to recognize that for you because it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, it was a really big deal and it was a lot of work. And so, which is why I say I don't recommend this approach for my clients if they're not ready to, because it is a really big commitment. And if you slip up, which is no blame, no guilt or anything like that, but sometimes you just feel like you want to eat something other than chicken soup and you have something you that's not within the diet, you often have to go back to the start again. So there might have been a couple of slip-ups, you know, at the start. You can't beat yourself up because you're already doing the best you can. 
but it is a really big commitment and it is hard and it's really important. If you can get support of your family or friends or people on the internet who's doing, who is doing this alongside you or have done it before, support is really, really um, key in success of this as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about then how that transitioned you to the work you're doing now. So you were you were still going for your PhD at the time, but that yes. kind of probably changed the trajectory of your work. So can you talk a little bit about that and and what you do now to help families? Sure. So my PhD probably affected it by the amount of time it took. (laughs) I I started my PhD without kids and I finished it with two kids, which is quite common. I think the average number of kids during a PhD is 1.6. So (laughs) in the ballpark. Uh, So it took me eight years to finish. I still did it in my physio topic, which was strength training, and used a lot of those research skills, though, delving into how to read an article on eczema and know if it's rubbish or good quality or are there interests that are disclosed here or not disclosed Mm. that could be influencing your results, um, how to understand the statistics of it, what are the limitations of a paper? Because often they can say, yeah, this worked really well, this approach, but what happened when they stopped? Like what happened when they stopped this cream? What happened when they stopped this other injection to the to the person with eczema? Did it get worse? Did it completely clear? Did it fix them? So sometimes there you can read the article and say, hey, this is a really good approach, but often it's just there's no follow-up or there's no information about that. So that's what I've used now in my skills to help other parents. Essentially, after I finished my PhD, I didn't know what to do with my time (laughs) after the kids went to bed. I was like, there's all these between eight and midnight. What do people do? (laughs) Midnight, Melissa, do you sleep? (laughs) I had to push through to get my PhD done by the eight. Yeah, Yeah. no. (laughs) Point, because they... They um they kick you out if you don't hand it in <laughs> on time. And I didn't want to ask for any extensions. I just wanted to have it done and yeah. finished. So I thought, oh, we're going to start a business, but I don't know what I'm going to do. So I initially thought I would help other mums um, primarily help them find time in their day to finish a PhD while working and have kids because I was working and doing my PhD and juggling the kids. But then I was like, oh, it's not super satisfying. And then I thought I've just done so much work on finding out all the different aspects of things that affect eczema and allergies. I'd love to share that with other mums because it can feel like a really lonely journey And I've learned a lot of things after going through it and things I wish I knew at the start. And I've learned to, and I don't know if it's because I'm now in my 40s and I feel like I'm just a more confident person and I can question things and I know how to do things better. But when I was 27, oh no, I was 30. When I was 30, I didn't really feel comfortable even at the age of 30 to question a doctor. And I right. that, that's such a shame. I don't want to impart those skills 
to be able to have a, an equal partnership with a health professional, I think is so important and you have equal value in that conversation when you go to speak, see a specialist. So I thought eczema and allergy coach, I can do that, share the knowledge. And also we did other things other than gut health. We looked at the environment, we changed washing powders, we checked for mould, we did all of those things. I learned how to manage stress better. <laughs> I learned how to put myself first sometimes. So those skills I share with other uh, families with kids with eczema. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And I mean, yeah, when you think of just the years that you put in and invested into that and someone that's just now starting their journey, you being there means that they can save years, yes. <laughs> years of their work and investigation by by talking to you about all this. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I love, I have a coaching model where I actually offer myself on call during my business hours, but essentially it works like you have a question, Mary, you just voice message me your question. It could be 2 a.m. your time and you're like, I've got to ask Melissa about the laundry powder or this happened today, what do I do? And then when I wake up in my business hours, I will voice message you back and you can get your question answered straight away. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're on the other side of the world, you don't have to turn up to an appointment at like 1 p.m. with your crying baby and you're trying to concentrate. And so actually that's worked really nicely with my clients in just saying, hey, Mel, what do I do? And they're not alone, yeah. That's a great point and a great setup. Yeah, because then you're you're meeting them more. It sounds like you're meeting them much more where they are so you can help them because you're right. Like it's, I mean, it's it's very stressful when like your kid is sick, you're trying to figure things out. You want to ask someone else for support, but yeah, to show up to a call, come on. So it's very easy to have to cancel the call because you have some kind of emergency at home. So that's really great. Are you using Voxer for that? Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. Do I you use Voxer. Voxer as well? I do. Yeah. I love it. A voice, voice. I mean, I have a podcast. Voice memos are my thing. <laughs> my friends know that I leave like very long voice messages. They call them podcasts or TED Talks, basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a really great platform. I, I agree with you. It is. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that your 30-year-old self and how you handled everything at the doctor, what would you say now, if you were in that same position now with all of your knowledge and just looking back, how would you handle that situation differently? I I would feel comfortable to ask the doctor about what he would do if he had his child with eczema. Is this exactly what you would prescribe for your child? And also ask about so what happens when it doesn't improve? Like, are these the three options we've got? And also in the research, I found it really hasn't changed a lot in like 40 years, the management of eczema. Um, there's some injectables now that they use as well, but really finding out what he understands and he he knows about the root causes of eczema rather than it being a condition of the skin, it's actually more than that. So I would feel fully confident to say, okay, well, why do you think my son has eczema? 
I know that I did ask that. And he said, some kids just have it genetics Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. And Mm -hmm. we know now that genetics is only probably about 5% of the picture. It's all the other stuff that we do and eat and ingest and stress levels and our environment that really affects our health in a big way. So I'd like to have a conversation about that. But also if I felt like I wasn't getting anywhere, he doesn't have to be the doctor for me. We can find someone else. And in fact, we didn't return after that appointment. I think we got all the information we needed or was go- were going to get from him. And we just went in a different pathway. So, and I do say that to my clients in my community, find someone you feel you can trust and work with and you have an equal partnership because so many people go to see their specialist and they are told the same as us just put the steroids on, what's the big deal? Or you've just got eczema, you're going to have to just live with it. I hear that so much in my community and it really breaks my heart that people aren't being listened to or they feel like they're not being listened to. Mm -hmm. It's a similar story I heard when I talked to Alexia Vernon from Step Into Your Moxie. She had a thyroid cancer diagnosis And she spoke about very similar things around advocating for yourself and getting the information that you need to be able to make the decision that works for you. And it might be that you go to a different doctor. She ended up going to a different doctor and it worked out so much better for her. So I I love that you said that because it's, it's really important for people to feel that they can trust the choices that they're making for themselves. So often we we second guess ourselves because we're talking to someone else and we're like, well, they know better than I do. But I think you mentioned this when we were talking before the call, but we know ourselves the best. We know our body the best. We know our child's body better than the doctor does. You know, we we live with them. We see what their symptoms are every day compared to someone that we might see every once or twice a year or every few months or whatever it is. But Yeah, absolutely. We are the expert in our own health and, you know, what's normal or what's not normal as well. Like my child's feeling a bit off today and this isn't them. Usually I don't have to know exactly what's wrong, but I know there's something. And so let's investigate that. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. Melissa, if you were walking down the street and you met someone that was just diagnosed with eczema and allergies, they were struggling in that point that you were many years ago. What's one thing that you would tell them? I guess it would depend on where they're at because some people are happy where they're at and some people are looking for more. So if someone was happy where they're at, I would give them a big hug and say, it's all going to be okay. If they were looking for more information and they were along the same route of the current approach wasn't working for them and they, the first thing for mums is that it's not your fault. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do about the fact that eczema has happened. You can't go back into the past and change anything. So it's not your fault. Get rid of any mummy guilt because I had a lot of mummy guilt. I was like, well, gut health, that 
I caused that, I contributed to this, something that I did in the past was that when I cleaned that shower with that spray that has caused this problem, like I was in a cycle of that for a little while, it doesn't help at all. But recognise that it is a symptom that the body is asking for help and then find someone you can work with to help figure out those root causes of, of the problem. It can be so many things, but if you're looking to really help those symptoms long-term, then yet yeah, find a practitioner that works for you. Wonderful. Thank you. The mom guilt is real for basically everything. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And we do beat ourselves up over so many things, but we are always doing the best we can with the resources we have and the dis- the information we have at the time. So things in the past, you can't do anything about that as far as changing those things. But if you're wanting to move forward, you can do something about that. Absolutely. Melissa, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today and for sharing your journey and your experiences and now how you help others. It's it's so wonderful that you are connected in this way. Not wonderful what happened to your son, but wonderful what you made from that and how you're able to help others. Can you please tell everyone where they can find you if they want to learn more or reach out? Lovely. I have a free Facebook community it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash eczema allergies asthma. Okay. Allergies asthma. And I'm also at yourjourneytohealing.net. Great. I'll put them in the show notes too so people can just easily click. Thank you so, so much for your time today and for sharing your experiences and your expertise with our audience. Thank you so much, Mary, for having me on. It's been delightful to chat with you and I'm so glad to have connected. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Brief Transitions podcast. Please help to share this podcast with others by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. I truly appreciate every single subscribe and review. If you'd like to connect with me further, please find me on Instagram at Brief Transitions or visit brieftransitions.com. Thanks so much and I'll see you next time.